How's it going today, guys? I'm back here live in the studio. Once again, another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. This is your host, Thomas Penland, coming at y'all. Doing it solo today, just like James Harden's going to have to do tonight without his three best players, Chris Paul, Clint Capella, and Eric Gordon all out. I'll get to that a little bit later on the podcast, but got to start here with the NFL. Before I do that, I want to say follow me on Twitter, at Hot Takes with TP3. I was 6-2 and two this week on NFL bets, so not my best. It was really bad on Saturday, starting out 0-2. We lost the Rams by point, or the Cowboys by point five. I mean, talk about a bad beat, guys. Point freaking five, man. I mean, that sucked, but we bounced back hard with the Patriots and Eagles. I mean, that missed field goal by Lutz saved our ass on Sunday, so I mean, it was almost a really bad week for me with those picks. Also started an Instagram for my NBA bets. I don't know if y'all been keeping up with those or not, but currently on Max Plays, since I started, it's to kind of readjusted how I was picking and restarted kind of in my next segment. I've been 42, 22, and 1 on Maxes, 73, 48, and 1 total. I mean, that's pretty darn good right there. That account is uh, TP3 underscore NBA underscore bets. Also just search TP3 NBA Handicapper. Either any of those will pull me up on there. Right now, I'm just doing NBA. I might start doing a little college and stuff later on, but let's get down to it, guys. We'll start with the first game here. First game is Chiefs and Colts, and I mean, what can I say, guys? I mean, uh, Kansas City didn't leave any doubt in our minds this entire game of who was going to win this one. Uh, Kansas City dominated them straight up. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. Pat Mahomes didn't have any problems. I mean, he did throw the ball 41 times, but he threw it for 276 yards. It's some big third down throws. And I mean, Indy really shot themselves in the foot. They couldn't stay on side. I was, I was not happy, guys, when they kept jumping off sides. They did it five times in the first half. I don't know how many times they did it in the second half, but Indianapolis penalized themselves a lot, and that really shot them in the foot. I felt like that Kansas City's defense really, really, really showed up in this game. Yeah, Indianapolis had 10 penalties for 70 yards as opposed to 6 for 54. And I mean, when you're on the road as the dog, you can't be doing stuff like that. I mean, you got to play smarter than that. I was really, really disappointed in the way Indianapolis played. Kansas City dominated them with time of possession. 39 uh, 39 minutes, 49 seconds, and 2 minutes and 11 seconds. I just want to say this first about them not covering that spread. If Vinatieri... Had have showed up at all. I know there was a. I know a lot of people had a, a player prop Vinatieri over seven and a half points, which did not hit. But I mean, Vinatieri was absolutely awful. I think he he missed an extra point and a field goal, left a lot of points on the field for us. Um, who was it? The wide wide receiver. I can't think of his name right now. Dropped a wide open touchdown pass. I mean, that one hurt at the end for anybody who had it. I mean, the everything would have covered. Kind of like I told y'all how I felt like the game was going to cover was off of a. It was Fountain. I can't remember his first name. I'll say it's like Maurice Fountain or something like that. Never even heard of him until that game, but. That drop right there, and if we had hit, made those chip shot field goals, I mean, we would have been fine, guys. But quite frankly, I think that there was a lot of key stats I said going in each direction for both teams, but that dome team stat ended up being the one that hurt us. I mean, Indianapolis, Andrew Luck looked awful. He was holding on to the ball too long, and I thought Kansas City's pass rush did a really good job of getting to him. Andrew Luck was sacked three times in this game. And they got five QB hits on him, which is big. He was hurried a lot out of that pocket. Christian Jones, um, Justin Houston, and D Ford, and the rest of that Kansas City pass rush. I mean, they really showed up, guys. This is a Kansas City defense. I said all season long looked a lot like the Falcons, which is not good, but they played complete opposite of it this Sunday. I mean, they Kansas City definitely played a team in the Colts that had played a lot worse opponents because they got exposed. Also, Kansas City really ran the ball well. I said before the game on Twitter, I thought running the ball would be the key to this game, and I felt like that losing um, 
losing uh, to Kareem Hunt for the season would come back to bite the Col- the Chiefs in this game, but it turned out that it didn't because Damian Williams had 25 carries for 129 yards and a touchdown. Even had that one where, the, where they basically pushed him in when they thought that they should have blown the whistle on him. Pat Mahomes, I thought, did a good job running the ball, not holding on to it too long, not making any stupid decisions. I mean, they exposed um, the Colts' inability to guard tight ends. They'd given up the most receiving yards all season long, tight ends, and Travis Kelsey at 108 yards. I mean, the Colts didn't even get a first down until that last drive of the half, and that was just when they were playing conservative defense. Colts ran the ball decently well with Marlon Mack and Nakeem Hines. I mean, they just didn't have enough, quite frankly. Andrew Luck did not play very well at all in this game. His QBR was 19.7. 19.7. I mean, I was completely disappointed in the way they played. They look completely outmatched. But, hey, guys, this is a young Colts team. They'll be back next year. They'll be a lot better next year. they got a lot of draft picks they can use. They'll probably go after a guy like Le'Veon Bell. Could even trade for Antonio Brown to pair him up with T.Y. I mean, I would really love to see the Colts go out and do something like that. So, this Colts team's only going to get better. They already have T.Y. Hilton, Eric Ebron. They have decent running backs that could be better. Already have Andrew Luck. Already have a great offensive line. I mean, Darius Leonard. He played a great, he played a decent game. I mean, he had 14 total tackles, 10 solo tackles. But I mean, they got a lot of young pieces over there on that side of the defense. They're only going to keep on getting better. So overall, I like this Colts team moving forward. But I mean, hey man, you got to take your hats off to the Chiefs. The one clear takeaway I had from this weekend is all four teams that have first round buys that meant something. That meant the regular season mattered a lot because all these teams won this week. All four of the favorites won, as opposed to last week where the dogs did not have or the dogs didn't um, went three and one. So. I think that played a huge role was that. I mean, all those offenses outside of New Orleans, I mean, it really looks like that they had used that extra time off to prepare and scheme. I mean, nobody can beat Andy Reid, it looks like, after two weeks preparation. I think the fact that he had Alex Smith was the reason he was losing those playoff games, not, not a lack of talent or a lack of coaching. It was just... Alex Smith is Alex Smith. He can only do so much for you in the playoffs. Alex Smith is just not that great, and that's ended up being what it came down to. But, I mean, I thought the Chiefs played a hell of a game, guys. They dominated this game from start to finish. I mean, they pretty much coasted in the second half. I don't really think there's much more to say about this one. Um, The next game I'll talk about is another one that I predicted wrong. I mean, Jason Garrett ended up screwing us on the spread. We had him at 7.5, lost by freaking .5. Talk about a bad beat. Bad beats killed me all week this week. I lost I lost 14 bets this week by a point or point five, so that hurt a lot. But Jason Garrett going for it on that fourth down it ruined our bet. But I mean, game wise, I think that he made the right play there. You got to go out and get points. You got to play aggressive. I thought he could have made a better play call, but this was a game, guys, where I'd been saying all year long, what has Indomitian Sue done? You know, you go out, you pay the big bucks to Indomitian Sue, you pay Talib, you pay Peters. You even paid Donald in the past. I mean, you're like, all right, guys, finally do something for me. Obviously, Aaron Donald had done something for them. Aaron Donald's been Aaron Donald all season long, but I thought Aaron Donald did a great job disrupting everything. But Indomitian Sue guys got good pressure. I mean, he had four tackles, three um, solo tackles. So he was definitely making plays all over the field. Had two QB hits as well. He made it tough back there for Dak Prescott. Also thought Dak made some bad decisions, like a couple third downs when I thought he should have tucked it and ran. I really feel like that's where Dak Prescott changed the game because he's so strong running the ball. I mean, we saw him at the end of that Seattle game kind of run the ball on them. I thought he was too conservative with the ball. But, I mean, they also didn't really give him any time to throw the ball and I mean, not throw the ball, but not to uh, make decisions back there. So it was a little tougher on him. So, I mean, I got to give all the credit here to the Rams, man. That defense finally looked like the Rams defense at the beginning of the season. Dallas really started to score on them at the end of the game. So overall, I mean, I thought the Rams dominated this one as well, start to finish. They got out the gates hot. That second quarter was really where they put them away, 17 
They just had 17 points in that quarter, 17 unanswered. I mean, that quarter kind of made or broke them at the beginning of the game. It looked like Dallas was going to kind of dominate. They drove down the field, got up early, but nope, it wasn't going to happen like that. Ezekiel Elliott had 20 carries for 47 yards. They stuffed Zeke and tried to make Dak Prescott beat him through the air, and obviously it didn't work out like that. Dak Prescott played a decent game, though, through for 226 yards. Also, though, on top of the Rams bullying them on one side, you know, like me and Justin talked about last week on the podcast, it's all about winning the games in the trenches. Justin's a big in the trenches guy. Well, you know what happened? The Rams bullied him in the trenches. They bullied him on the defensive side and on the offensive side. C.J. Anderson ran for 123 yards. Todd Gurley ran for 115 yards. They combined for three total touchdowns, so... They clearly bullied them here, ran the ball a lot. They used those misdirections in the backfield. They got the ball out on the edges. You know, my biggest takeaway from this game is you can't give someone that smart at offense like as Andy Reid, but as Sean McVay to scheme for two weeks straight on his offense. I also thought that they did a good job getting everyone else involved in the receiving game. Nobody really had more targets than anybody else. I mean, four targets for Reynolds, four for Higby, six for Cooks, eight for Woods. It was clear that he got everybody involved in there, even two for Gurley. Gurley didn't really do anything in the receiving game. I thought they did a good job of having Gurley out there when they need him, but running Anderson a lot. You know, 16 carries for Gurley, two catches. That's pretty good usage for him rather than they ran the ball all over him with C.J. Anderson. I mean, every single play. C.J. Anderson looks like a guy who was hungry out there playing for his career. I kind of like how he bowed and then thanked God every single time he scored a touchdown. You know, this is a guy who got cut by the Raiders and the Panthers. So, I mean, he thought his career was over. Now he's out here winning playoff games, going to the NFC Championship game. So, he's got a lot to be thankful for here. I thought that Tlaib played a great game. He had seven total tackles. Five of those were solo. Um, I thought that is that um, Marcus Peters played a great game, too. He didn't really get thrown at that much. Didn't really make too many plays. But, I mean, that means you're doing your job if you're a corner and not really getting thrown at. So, Overall, I really thought the Rams showed out. They dominated this game. Michael Gallup showed a lot of promise for the Cowboys. I mean, Amari Cooper played well, too. There's a couple times where Prescott missed him. I really thought that it just exposed Dak Prescott as a quarterback and a guy that if you can make it all lean on him to win the game, that he's not going to be able to do it for you. But he still made some good plays. I mean, I thought Dak Prescott played a really good game for the quarterback he is. He played the best he could have. Just you couldn't pull it out if you're Dallas. I mean, my biggest takeaway here, if you're Dallas, they're keeping the offensive coordinator. I think that's the right move. If you're Dallas, you know, you just got to go out keep building. I personally would keep Dak Prescott. I still think that he's better than just about any other options you have at quarterback right now. I mean, maybe. I mean, imagine, guys, if the Cowboys went out there and got Nick Foles. Personally, though, I think that Coop to to um or Dak to Coop is a good matchup. I mean, why change up a good thing when you got it going like that? So, I wouldn't change things up there. Overall, though, I really like the way that both these teams played in this game. I mean, it's just clear, though, the Rams had more time preparation. They were the better team. This looks like the old Rams team. I think they used that bye week to get everyone healthy. And, you know, this is what you want to see if you're the Rams, man. They struggled at the end of the season. They're going to be going to New Orleans next week. I'll talk more about that matchup. But overall, great game by the Rams. They designed a lot of good timing routes for Jared Goff, who was hitting a lot of his throws. I mean, they basically they played this game smart. They re, they ran the ball, let their offensive line do the work, let Goff make a couple plays when he had to, but they really didn't make it all come on Jared Goff's shoulders, and I think that's when they play their best. We've noticed this year when they haven't been able to run the ball, and it's all come down to Jared Goff making the plays. It hasn't really worked out, so... That's my biggest takeaway there, guys, is Sean McVay designed the perfect game plan for Jared Goff to succeed, and that's what you want to do for a young quarterback like that. All right, guys, let's move here to the Sunday slated games. Picks were much better on this one. I said Patriots spread was my spread pick, but I felt safer with the money line, which is what I rode in this game, and 
Patriots covered this one easily. This game was over before it ever got started. We watched both teams drive down each other's throat and score quickly. Then after that, the Patriots quickly ran away with this one. I thought it was funny. Phillip Rivers was over there complaining on the sidelines. He was pointing, yelling, shouting, jumping up and down. I mean, you could tell Phillip Rivers wanted to win that game worse than anybody. He's now 0-8 against Brady in his career. The Patriots ran away with this one. If I've learned anything over the years, guys, when you count out Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and the Patriots, that's when they hurt you the worst. What happened this game? We counted them out. They were receiving under 40% of the bets. Everybody was on the Chargers, yet what happened? Patriots ran this one. And, you know, that's really, guys, what it came down to is the Patriots, they have this offensive scheme ready to roll, and they were not stopped at all in this game. I mean, the fact they had 35 points at halftime, the game was over. I barely even watched the second half. I was watching the Hawks game, and I was watching Lowry and Beal go for 40 each against each other, which was also a fun one to watch. But the Patriots did a good job with everything. They threw the ball for 343 yards, and they ran the ball for 129 with Michelle, a total of 155 for the game. And I just felt like that they had a game plan, and they stuck to it. On the flip side of things, the Chargers never really got the run game going. They only ran the ball 10 times, but they were down the whole game, so they never really had a chance to even try it. Rather than Rivers tried to make plays, he threw that one costly pick, but... Overall, I mean, he had three touchdowns, and you look at it, you're like, all right, Phillip Rivers played a decent game, but that was all in garbage time. That's the most classic way for Phillip Rivers to play. The Patriots defense did a good job of getting him off the field quick and capitalizing quick and burying the Chargers before they had a chance to do anything. Julian Edelman did a great job, especially with the ball, especially running with the ball after catch. He had 151 yards receiving. I mean, Tom Brady's the king of the dump down. James White had 15 receptions for 97 yards. 15 receptions. I mean, that's crazy for the running back. Brady was dumping it underneath to him the whole game. Gronk was barely even used. He had that 125-yard catch. I thought that was really weird. But, you know, the guys, the Patriots, this is their team that looked that struggled this year. I mean, of all the Patriots teams I've watched, they had some awful losses, like that back-to-back at Jacksonville and at the Lions. Then they lost at the Titans, at the Dolphins, and to the Steelers. I mean, they didn't lose to a playoff team all season long. Now, the Steelers... And the uh, Titans were both eliminated at the end of the season. The Jags were a bit, started out the gates hot and then basically didn't win anything after that. So the Patriots, I felt like guys really underperformed, underachieved in the regular season. We questioned if the Tom Brady, you know, it reminds me of that, of that Monday night game a couple years back. I think it was, I want to say three years ago. No, four... It was four, It was the year they won the Super Bowl against the Seahawks when Carroll threw in the end zone. I think that was the 2015 Super Bowl when that we watched that Monday night game in Kansas City and we we're like, wow, guys, Brady might be done. He looks too old. Tom Brady did not look old at all in that game. He stood behind his offensive line, which dominated, by the way, another game won in the trenches and another game where we saw the Patriots get decent pressure on Phillip Rivers. They only had two sacks, but they had seven QB hits, and they forced him out of the pocket. So, I mean, they put a lot of pressure on him. Brady was sacked zero times in this game. He was hit zero t- or twice in this game. So, I mean, he stood back there all day, and he looked comfortable in the pocket and picked them apart. I really think, guys, getting a pass rusher and getting pressure is huge. I mean, that's something we saw the Eagles do at the beginning of the game is stop the run and get a pass rush, and that's something we didn't see the Saints do in the second half of the game, which I'll get to later. I mean, vice versa, that's something we saw the Saints do in the second half of the game and make Foles look uncomfortable, but... Overall, guys, the Patriots absolutely dominated this game. I mean, it's tough luck for the Chargers. They had to make do a lot of traveling. They had a lot of stuff. I mean, the Chargers, they gave it their best this season. Phillip Rivers is getting old. I would really like to see him get this one, but unfortunately it didn't happen. That also means my Super Bowl prediction is busted. I'll give you all another one on this upcoming Sunday because I picked the Chargers to play the Saints. I had the Saints beating them, so I mean, I still have my winner at large right now, but obviously the Chargers and my team to play them are no longer available. Overall, though, guys, this is a game that the Patriots dominated. This is your classic Patriots game. Like I said, you doubt Bill Belichick, you doubt Tom Brady, they'll make you think twice about it, and that's exactly what they did in this game. So 
that's my biggest takeaway. Ch- San Diego will be back next year. I think they'll be even better again next year. They'll get some guys back from injury. Philip Rivers is getting old, but I don't think he's past the level where he can produce yet. Also, Philip Rivers might be the slowest player in the NFL. There was 330-pound defensive lineman running him down. I mean, I know Philip Rivers isn't known for his legs or anything, but I mean, he was getting chased down. All right, last game that I want to talk about here is the Saints-Eagles game, and my biggest takeaway from this game, guys, is what has happened to the Saints' offense? They got 20 points in this game. They, I mean, they had 14 against the Panthers in Week 17. That doesn't really count. 31 against the Steelers, so they played well in that one, but 12 against the Panthers, 28 to the Buccaneers, 10 to the Cowboys. Really, since that Falcons game and Eagles game, the offense has disappeared for the Saints. I mean, they just took advantage of turnovers against the Falcons. We handed them that game. So, I mean, this kind of reminds me, though, of that Vikings-Saints game last year where that the Saints kind of fooled around, the Vikings fooled around all game long, left the other team in the game, and they caught a huge break at the end of the game. It was Alshon Jeffrey, as he called, blowing the game and losing it. I actually think, if anything, Carson Wentz should buy Alshon Jeffrey a new car or buy him something nice because he just saved his job there in Philadelphia. If Nick Foles driven down the field there at the end and won that game, we would never see Carson Wentz again in an Eagles uniform. He would have been traded for a couple of first-round picks and in a superstar player, so... If anything, he needs to thank Nick Foles right there. I think this was the last time we'll see Nick Foles in an Eagles uniform. But for the Saints, guys, Drew Brees missed a lot of easy throws. I saw him miss some that I haven't seen him. Drew Brees is clearly not the player that he used to be. But they did a good job running the ball in this game. Kamara had 16 carries for 71 yards. Mark Ingram had 9 carries for 53 yards. And quite frankly, Sean Sean Payton outcoached Doug Peterson. He went for it on fourth down and goal on the one-yard line. He got it. He had BYU quarterback Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill bailed them out on that fake punt. Taysom Hill saved the Saints in this game. He also made some nice plays all over the field. I mean, they've done a really good job of getting value out of somebody you really didn't think could make plays like that all over the field. So, I mean, hats off to New Orleans for doing that. But overall, guys, I mean, Sean Payton coached a great game with those two plays. He went for it on fourth down the Super Bowl. I knew he was going to do it right there. No questions in my mind on that one. I just really felt like, guys, this is a game that the Saints had to win. You know, the Eagles scared them and gave them everything they could. If you're Philadelphia, you had no business being there. You have a backup quarterback. You shouldn't even have made the playoffs. But Kirk Cousins is absolutely pathetic this season. I mean, this is a game that I felt like Doug Peterson and the Eagles staff did a great job. I mean, the fact they were able to go up 14-0 on the Saints at one point in this game is just crazy, guys. That defense, you have Fletcher Cox in and out being injured. You have a secondary that's... I mean, it's not even a real secondary. Secondary's been getting torched by everybody that was somehow able to somewhat contain the Saints' passing offense and great play great defense. Really, third-down penalties kind of shot a lot of these teams in the foot, like Dallas and like the Eagles in this game. They made a lot of stops, but on third down, they just couldn't keep from getting those penalties and let these drives keep going, and you can't do that to offenses like the Saints and the Rams. You give them second chances, they're going to make you pay for it, and that's exactly what we saw in this game. Nick Foles was sacked zero times in this game. This Eagles offensive line stepped up. He was only hit four times on the flip side of things. They were able to sack Drew Brees twice. They were able to hit him five times, so I really think they outplayed him, but Marshawn Lattimore, I mean, he was – had that timely, he had a great play on that first interception, then the second one, he kind of right place at right time, paid off for him, you know, if you're the Eagles, man, you just got to look at it as we played our best game, we left it all out on the field, we did what we could as the dog, I mean, it's hard to repeat that twice in a row, but hey, they covered the spread, so I mean, that's all that I cared about in this one, but the way I look at it, guys, the Saints did what they do best, and that's win big football games, so Saints are moving on, I really think this game might resemble the last couple NFC Championship games, which is blowouts, but I'll get to my reasoning behind that later, but 
Overall, guys, this is also a Saints team that really doesn't have a number two receiver. Ted Ginn Jr. is nothing special. He was drafted out of Ohio State up really high and never really played him to the player he was supposed to be. Traquan Smith, he is what he is. Benjamin Watson, an old aging tight end. I mean, they really don't have a secondary receiver. Drew Brees just makes do with what he can. Michael Thomas dominated in this game, especially on third downs, making huge catches at 171 yards and a touchdown. He backed up the NFL, putting him on first team all pro. You got to give it to him. I mean, like I said, though, they use that two headed monster to their advantage with Ingram and Kamara. So overall, I mean, you got to tip the cap to the Saints, man. They played to their strengths and pulled this one out, but. I'll have my two picks coming up for these games this weekend. i got a lot more coming for you all in these games this weekend. That'll be on my later podcast. I'll try to get a guest on later on in the week to talk about these games with me. Um, I want to talk a little NBA before I let y'all go. So I haven't really talked NBA on the podcast lately. I've mostly been doing it on the association podcast, but it's just me today. So why not do it? Actually, you know what? Before I talk NBA, I want to talk a little college basketball and I watched a great matchup. I'm a huge Florida State fan, as most of y'all know. That game absolutely broke my heart. I sat there for about five minutes and couldn't even think of words. I mean, how the hell do we let R.J. Barrett get that wide open? I mean, he was so wide open. He could have taken three dribbles if he if there wasn't three seconds left on the clock, maybe even licked his finger to check the wind in the stadium and then shot. I mean, that's a practice time jumper. My biggest takeaway from this game is Florida State basketball is for real. We were able to play at our own pace and play the way we wanted to in the second half. We finished the first half off well. We just got unlucky. Man, another big takeaway from this game RJ Barrett is a cold blooded scorer, four for seven for three, 10 for 19 from the field, eight for nine from the free throw line. He had uh, 32 points in this game. Cam Reddish, a guy who a lot of people doubt, a guy I like to go third in the draft, who I think is the third best player in the draft. He played a damn good game, had 23 points in this one, five of eight from three. So, I mean, that was really good for his confidence, but. Duke went into a hostile environment, guys, and won without Zion Williamson in the second half. That's huge. The fact that they were able to go in in the second half and pull that out. Zion was over there on the bench. You see your best player over there on the bench, and you still pull it out. Pull it out. Trey Jones and Barrett played every minute of this game. That's another crazy thing for you right there. I mean, Duke only played eight guys in this game, so... Duke had a tight rotation. Florida State on the other side of things. I believe we played 11 players. We're a much deeper team than they are, but... We had a couple guys only get in there for a few minutes. Overall, though, I mean, what can I say, guys? Coach K out coached us. He played a great. He coached a great game. RJ Barrett coached a great or played a great game. One thing though about RJ Barrett, we saw him miss those big time shots in the game against Gonzaga that lost the game. Those three times where he tried to come down and win the game, he couldn't do it. He missed the free throw that would have potentially tied the game. Instead, they Duke ended up hitting the buzzer beater. He still hasn't hit a game winning shot yet for Duke. That's my only criticism against RJ Barrett. I want to see him hit the big game-winning shot. I haven't seen him do it yet, but this is a great game, guys. Both these teams are going to be really good in the tournament. Unfortunately, I think Duke is the best team. I'm probably going to take them to win the national championship. I really feel like they're the best team. I'll probably place a future on them at some point soon here in the week. They're playing right now. They just tipped off, so it's another good one to keep your eye out on, but what can I say, guys? It's been a great season for Duke so far, and I can't wait to keep watching them play. But now let's go to the NBA. So big news coming out of the league right now. Clint Capella out four to six weeks with a thumb injury. I mean, the injuries just keep piling up for Houston. They now don't have Chris Paul. He's still out with a hamstring injury. Splash Gordon, as I call him. Eric Gordon is still out with the knee injury. James Harden is basically doing this with a bunch of nothings. I mean, I don't want to disrespect players in the NBA, but nobody wants these guys. I mean, look who all they have on their roster at this point in time. I'm about to go through it for y'all right here. All right, so Gerald Green. They claimed him off waivers last year. He's a flashy dunker who is somehow hitting, who's been hitting the three-point ball at a clip that is his best of his career now. Found himself a new career. 
Austin Rivers. He was traded by the Wizards to the Suns because they didn't want him, then cut, and they didn't want him. His own dad didn't even want him and traded him. Nobody wants him. Brandon Knight, a guy who's been out for two years and been battling injuries on and off, been dunked all over in all these videos, been disrespected. Nene. I mean, Nene's 36 years old, guys. Daniel House Jr. I mean, who the hell is Daniel House Jr.? P.J. Tucker, a 33-year-old small forward. He's trying to play power forward. He can hit threes in the corner and play hard. I mean, P.J. Tucker wouldn't start. He'd probably be the sixth or seventh man on most teams in the league. He's not a starter on pretty much any other team in the league. James Ennis, I mean, he's barely making any money. Nobody really wants him. I got out of Long Beach State, 28 years old. Um... I mean, if you just look at, at this entire roster from top to bottom, this is a Rockets team that really has nothing but James Harden, and he's playing at the clip that he's been playing at lately is one that we have seen nobody else do. He's averaging 34.2 points per game, 8.8 assists, 6.2 rebounds. I mean, he leads the league right now. I believe he's second in the league in triple doubles this season. I mean, he's first in real plus minus, first in player efficiency ratings, all those ratings. He's busting it out of the charts. I mean, he leads the league in three-pointers. He's already he's about to set the record for three-pointers unassisted. He's doing everything by himself with no help. He now has 17 straight 30-point games. That's an NBA record. He's the first player since Kobe to average 40 points for a 10-point game stretch. I mean, what can James Harden not do, guys? Please tell me. I'd love to hear what James Harden can't do. All he can do, and the biggest thing about it, guys, he's been winning over this stretch, too. Only lost, I believe, over that 17-game stretch, where he's been scoring these 30-point games. He has lost one, two, three, four games. So, I mean, he's 13 and, and over. He's won 13 out of his last 17 games when he's been doing this. So, it's translating over to wins. That's all you can say. I mean, a lot of people were just tweeting at me last night. Oh, he's one through 17 on three. I mean, you're bound to have a bad game every now and then. It's the NBA. He still scored 38 points with that. So, James Harden still gets the job done no matter what. Um... Any, a couple other storylines that I want to touch on here in the NBA. I mean, I'll probably touch on these on the Association podcast once again just because we kind of do a little bit of both, but I kind of wanted to, wanted to toot the horn a little bit on some of these other games. Um, let me go to my notes here and pull up my notes on these other games. So, Also, guys, if you're not, follow me on Instagram at NBA underscore, at TP3 underscore NBA underscore bets. I've been trying to do a little NBA handicapping on there. We'll see how it goes. I've been on fire, though, on my Twitter, so now it's time. I'm going to try to make a little guap off these if I can't. I want to talk about the 2017 NBA draft here. The 2017 NBA draft, guys, one of the most stacked ones that I've seen. Actually, no, no, I'll save that one for the Association Podcast. The other thing I want to talk about, actually, I'll talk about this one other one and let y'all go. Let's talk about Donovan Mitchell here. Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz, guys. This is a team that's been struggling at the beginning of the year. But this is a Jazz team now, guys, that finds themselves in the playoffs. I mean, this Jazz team has fluctuated up and down the Western Conference, just like a lot of these other teams. But the Jazz are 23-21, and 21, so they're tied with the Lakers right now for the eighth spot. They're seven and th- they've won seven out of their last 10 games, they're on a three-game win streak right now. They get the Pistons at home tonight. I bet they'll win that one once again. But Donovan Mitchell, guys, I mean, what did I say? The Jazz were a second-half team last year. He's a second-half player. He took him a while to break in and get going, but he's been balling out over these last five games. The Jazz have won four out of their last five. Donovan Mitchell is 26, 26, 33, 33, 34. He shot, he shot over 30%, or over 45% from the field in every single one of these games except for one against the Bucks. He shot 33%, which is tough. I mean, the Bucks got a lot of lanky defenders, which is a tough team to shoot over, but 
Donovan Mitchell is clearly not having sophomore slump. It just took him a little while to get in the groove as well as the rest of the Jazz team. And they're finally in a groove here, guys. I would watch out for Utah to make a run towards the top of the Western Conference here soon. They're currently 23-21. and 21, So, I mean, they're only heating up. Obviously, the standings, they're going to have to keep on, stay hot in order to keep climbing up there. But, I mean, the Nuggets are 29-13. and 13. The Warriors are 29-14. and 14. I mean, there's a lot of teams right here with wins in the teens, but, I mean, the losses in the teens, but... I really think the Jazz are built for the playoffs and built for the postseason. I look for teams like the Spurs to fade out. This Western Conference race is going to be tough, guys. LeBron needs to hurry up and come back so the Lakers stop losing these games. They've won three out of their last seven, or out of their last ten, so three and seven over that stretch. Not a great stretch for the Lakers, guys, but it's about all I got for y'all. I'll have a guest on to discuss the um, NFL playoffs with me on Friday. Hope y'all are looking forward to that podcast as much as I am. My picks and everything will be on there. Once again, guys, follow me on Twitter at Hot Takes with TP3. Um, follow me on Instagram at TP3 underscore NBA bets um, or NBA handicapper, TP, TP3 NBA handicapper. I got both those up there for y'all. So, I mean, I'm going to keep going off on these picks. Like I said, I'm 42, 24, and 1 on my max plays, 73, 51, and, and uh, 2 overall. So, be on the lookout for those. Lots of good stuff coming up here for y'all soon. I appreciate all y'all tuning in, by the way. My numbers are the best they've ever been currently averaging over 50 listens per podcast and i mean i just want to give a shout out to all my listeners for tuning in and listening to all these podcasts i mean y'all are the reason why i keep doing this i was upset i mean at first when i was getting 15 listens per podcast i mean that sucked just looking at it and seeing that but i had to keep on doing it i mean y'all are making it seem like it's worth my while now the fact that y'all are all tuning in to listen to these podcasts i mean I really appreciate it, guys. It means more to me than y'all could ever know. So I appreciate y'all tuning in. Hopefully, I can make y'all some of that money back with these bets I've been giving y'all. But y'all stay, y'all stay good, and I'll talk to y'all again soon.